I don't know if you've kind of noticed a little bit of the theme behind some of these songs. Kind of interesting that we're celebrating, and yet the thematic word behind it is death. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Death. Is that really such a big deal? Death really a big deal? Hmm. I think it is. I think it affects our life more than what we really realize at times, doesn't it? Uh, especially some of us are getting older and we're realizing this, this tent is getting weaker and it uh, is a constant reminder that this tent is on the way to extinction from this earth. And back to what the, in, the, in the scripture it says, from dust you were made and dust you will return. And that is a true reality. Turn with me to the book of Romans, the fifth chapter. If you need a Bible, I think we'll have somebody around here that uh, will grab, that, grab a couple. We've got a hand back here. And uh, like we said, uh, we like uh, to open up the Word of God. And so um, we're hoping that uh, that'll come to a place where uh, you'll be so missing and, and into the Word of God that you won't leave home without it. This week, uh, Josiah uh, at uh, Kuiper College gave a, uh, uh, gave a teaching, and he asked the people, he had us all hold our Bible up, and he said, um, he said, as a soldier would never go into battle without his weapon, why do you guys, why do we walk into life without the Word of God? It is the sword. It is our weapon. And, uh, and so he's right both in memorizing it and also having it available when we're gone, when we're out, because we never know when the enemy will attack and we'll never know when we bump into somebody that needs to hear a word of encouragement from God's word. And so the fifth chapter of Romans, we're going to just read uh, 12 through 14. I have to feel sorry for Ryan sometimes because he's, uh, he's working with a guy who will say, well, you know, we're going to do the whole rest of the chapter. And then, well, hey, Ryan, uh, we're not going to do the whole rest of the chapter. And, and so I pray that, uh, and I do pray this actually, that the Lord is leading. Um, I know that, uh, I believe that. I believe that he answered some very specific things this week, and so we're, I'm glad of that. But Romans 5, the first, uh, the 12 through 14, um, read with me as we, uh, and, and in the word in front of you, says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world, world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, Sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Thus ends the reading of God's word. As we go into God's word... um, Somebody came up to me during the song, and some of us will remember Arnie and Joyce Coster, uh, who used to worship among us years ago. Um, and uh, Arnie is in the hospital with COVID. 
Uh, but if you know, he has become less and less lucid, um, either to Alzheimer's or to dementia. And so uh, he's refusing to take liquids. He's refusing to take uh, any medication. And so Joyce is alone um, and also, I believe, has COVID in her room. And so, oh, she does not have COVID. Quarantine over it. Okay, thank you. And so... Um, Let's just have a word of prayer over them a minute as we go into this word. Heavenly Father, um, Joyce and Arnie are experiencing uh, that decline of the physical and uh, in that, um, uh, that inevitable death that is coming at some point in time. So Lord, we just pray a blessing upon both of them and uh, pray for Arnie uh, that you'll surround him even though in his mind uh, he may not be grasping what's happening in the physical like he used to, Lord. Um, you have a closer hold on his life, or you have a hold on his soul. And so, Lord, just, uh, just bless him with a peace that surpasses understanding. And be with Joyce, and uh, bless her as she goes through this experience and living in isolation. We just pray that you will guide their hearts. Thank you, Lord, for their involvement in our lives for years through the dock and also here at the pier. And we just give you praise and honor in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. It was the Apostle Peter in the second chapter, the third, the third chapter, I should say the second book, the third chapter, the 16th verse, it said about Paul's writing, he said, his letter contains some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Paul's teachings are hard, but they are scripturally logical, and they are aligned with the heart of God. And so as we come by the Spirit of God and align our hearts and our ears uh, to his word, we can, uh, we can also hear what he wants to tell us through this, and that's my prayer. As you look at this passage, uh, you notice that it starts out with the word, therefore, and you always have to think about that as you're in Scripture, that what is it connecting me to? It's coming from some teaching, and it's saying, okay, this is how the outworking happens. And so the therefore comes back from the first part of chapter 5. It is uh, that transformative power of justification, of peace with God through Christ, of standing in grace as a firm foundation, not wondering if you lose your salvation or not. The joy of the hope of glory that Jesus said, I, I give them the glory as you have given me. And so the hope of glory, joy even in suffering. I think the greatest celebration isn't when life goes easy, but when we're actually suffering and going through persecution, that we can still celebrate and we can still live in the joy of our God. The effect of God's divine love on our life, that his love is overpowering to us. And the power of Christ's deliverance, that he is fully, he is delivering us, is completely delivering us someday, and that we can live in that on a daily basis that he is delivering us. And then joy in God coming together in the power of the faithful God who we serve 
So as we go through this passage, notice how Paul masterfully uh, compares and contrasts in these verses. We're gonna, this first section, we're going to be introduced to the, to the main players, um, Adam and Christ. And as we do, um, uh, we, we have to realize that there are, two, there are two forces that are trying to hold on to us. The one force is, is the, the sin that came through the disobedience of Adam. And that sin wants to continue to say to you, I've got a hold on you, and there's nothing you can do. But then you have another force, and that is what Christ did in obedience to his Father. And throughout this book, throughout the rest of this passage, Paul is saying, I am telling you this, that Christ is supreme over what happened through Adam, that Christ's obedience is greater than the disobedience of Adam, that the power of salvation is greater than the power of sin. And understanding that gives us a foundation to walk on and to walk in our life. And you say, well, you know, Andersma, that's, that's pretty basic. But is it? Even the psalmist said, as we read this uh, week as in, in, in our Bible study as men. How long, Lord, in, in Psalm 13, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? This is a man after God's own heart. So it's also realizing that these two forces are at work in our hearts and that there is a, there is a war, there's a competition. We need to grasp a hold of this truth that, he, that Paul is trying to teach us here so that we can. Now, I want to prove to you that, that, that Paul is telling us that Christ is superior. I want you to notice in verse 11 that the, that the first 11 verses ends with these words. Through whom, uh, excuse me, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now receive reconciliation. But also he concludes on the end of chapter 5, the 21st verse, look at that, it says, I won't be reading that today, but I still want you to look at it, it says, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. So thematically, Paul is saying, yes, these two forces are an act. And he says, I'm going to try to, to unfold this to you right now. But the supremacy is the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter even how you feel in your heart, because sometimes we can feel the darkness in our heart, no matter what you're going through physically, no matter what, You're going through in temptation. Christ is supreme and superior. And so, as Paul walks through this, he says that the greater honor goes to Jesus, who is the author of all blessings and is superior in the work that he did on behalf of humanity. So he ties together justification that we've been talking about and redemption in these passages. So Paul, in the light of this transformative power of justification, is going to show us the power of God is greater than the power of sin. And we do struggle with it. And so as we read these, um, as we have read these verses, 
he introduces us to these key players, Adam and Christ. And he's logically answering this question. How could what one man did in one time in history have such an absolute effect on mankind? That's an important question. Because in the world that we live in, in this, in this materialistic world, in this world of internet, in this world of, of um, having knowledge at your footstep and you can see around the world on your wrist, it is easy to believe that the, that one person can have no significance. It's easy to be overwhelmed by by not only the darkness of this world um, and that, and that sig- there's no significance to one person. But I'm going to tell you today that you need to acknowledge the significance of Adam so that you can see the significance of Christ. And so as we go through this, he follows kind of a logical movement. First of all, you know it's in 12a, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man. Now, this is not a, this is not a time to blame Adam. Okay? Uh, and to go with blame shifting and saying, All my problems is because of Adam. <laughs> Paul doesn't say that man created sin here, but that sin entered through one man. It's an important distinction. You'll remember in Genesis 2, um, 16b through 17 says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Man did not create sin, but in disobedience submitted to its power over him. Sin was created by Satan. 1 John 3, 8 says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. I think it's important to notice that the word sin is singular here. This reveals that not through Adam all different kinds of sin came, but it gives the indication that it's a nature and heredity. It is the heredity of sin that came. It is the fact that that disobedience came down from our forefathers as he submitted himself to disobedience to the Father. I think it's interesting to note that God has created men, human beings, to be pro- procreative, meaning that we're different than animals in just instinct. Pro- procreative means that we pass down to future generations through our genes, physical characteristics, psychological characteristics, and spiritual characteristics. That's why God can say in Exodus 34, 7, God maintaining love to thousands and forgiving sin, yet he did not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. The power of one, which is the name of of the title of this message, of disobedience by Adam, brought the nature of sin down through all generations. The second line of, of thinking is the, in verse, is, is the B of, of the, the 12th uh, verse. It says, And death came through sin. 
Death entered the world through sin. In Genesis 2, God warns Adam that disobedience would lead, would lead to death. And I have a question for you. Who came up with the concept of death? It's just something that jumped out of my, life, uh, out of my studies. Could God, who brings life, conceive the idea of death? When was the first death in creation's history? I believe that death was conceived long before God created man. When Satan sinned in pride against God, death was given birth. We read about this in Isaiah, the 14th chapter, starting with the 12th verse. Let me read that to you. This is really the start and conception of death. It says in the 12th verse, How have you fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heavens. I will rise my thrones above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But verse 15 says it, but you were brought down to the realm of death, the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. And so <clears throat> death was brought here through Satan. As Revelation 12 reveals that when Satan fought against God, he... Uh, he was cast out of heaven, and it's the first death. We have, to re we have to understand death is this. It is the separation of relationship. It can manifest itself in spiritual, physical, or eternal separation. And so why is this important? Because a person does not become a sinner by sinning, but rather commits sin because by nature they are a sinner. A person does not become a liar when they tell a lie. They tell a lie because his heart is already deceived. Matthew 15, 19 says, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. That's why we cannot sit and blame shift. So much in history, so much even in our world today, people will say, well, if my spouse was a better person, I would be a better person. If, if, my, if my co-workers were better people, then I wouldn't be caught in cussing and swearing like they do or telling crude jokes. If, if, if. No. No, I remember uh, a story uh, that happened uh, in a discipleship relationship here in this church in which... Um, uh, a man uh, was talking to another man about the Word of God. And the, the man said to him, he said, why do I have to keep reading this damn book? And, um, and what was revealed was the heart of this person. For out of the heart came the words of disrespect. And so, what's going on inside your heart? What are the thoughts that you're thinking? 
What are the words that you're saying? What's going on inside your heart? So every time we sin, we reveal that by nature we are a sinner in need of a Savior. Why? Because our sin shows us that we're headed for spiritual, physical, and eternal separation from the relationship of our Creator. Hebrews 2 says, Jesus, and we talk about death in Hebrews 2. This is what, um, what is said about Christ. It said, in the, uh, starting in the 14th verse, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, Jesus did, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Every time we sin, we, real, we, we show that we need a Savior. We show that, um, that death, um, that death has entered through the world through sin. And then see, death spreads to all men because all have sinned. I find it interesting that I think that the fear of death really reveals something within our hearts. It's been interesting to me, I don't know about to you, but it's been interesting to me that there has been, even within the church, a rise of this fear of death. And I think that somewhat, there's a, a bit of prosperity Christianity that has touched each one of our hearts in which we have bought into the fact that, you know, if, if, if we follow God, he will bless us. And he'll bless us with health and wealth and a good life. I would dare say that you put that up against the disciples and see if that's what happened with them when they followed Christ. But because of that, we have become uh, a society of people that are afraid of dying. We just read a verse that said that Jesus Christ breaks us from the slavery of death. The slavery of death is this fear. Is this fear. And it's rampant. It is rampant. Um, do you think all men fear death? How about the rich and the elitists among us that we sometimes idolize those people that have all the money they need the billions of dollars elon musk and and uh, uh and 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 these other people that have billions of dollars that you think they fear death you're right you're right i don't know if you know this but on september 12 <clears throat> our president quietly signed an executive order giving full backing of our government for biotechnology and biomanufacturing. Buried within 147 pages is an idea of transhumanism, or what they call gene editing technology. Elon Musk and others of the elites in our world believe that just like a computer can be hacked, so human DNA can be hacked. They believe they can create synthetic DNA in which they can then recreate you. They 
want to develop what they call the three supers. Super longevity, meaning you'll live forever. Um, super health, meaning that they can deprogram health and deprogram diseases so they no longer affect us. And also super intelligence, um, that they can program human beings to be higher intelligence. Now, I, I'm not going to get caught up in whether we believe this is true and this is happening or, or, or this is real. That's not my point. The point is that all of us are born with the nature of sin and all of us outside of Christ are taken captive by the fear of death and that even our elitists in our world so fears death that they will take their money and spend it on how they can try to get men and humans to live longer. Is that going to be successful? <laughs> there needs to be a kingdom transfer. We need to go from the kingdom of darkness and of death to the kingdom of light and eternal life. And that is Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus when he said, unless you're born again, no one can see the kingdom of God. No one can. And so, born once, you're a child of Satan. Born twice, you're a child of Christ, child of the kingdom, child of God. I don't know if you believe that. I do. But I think that, the, that fear of death is an indicator. And, and so, death came, death spread to all men because all have sinned. All have sinned. And we experience that, don't we? We experience that in our life. Thirdly, coming from verse four, uh, 13 to 14, listen to what it says. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin was not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Therefore, death reigns from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. His pattern. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Thank you. Good question. Good question. The first thing I want to say is that history proves that death reigns over all men. The quick question to answer that is, do you know anyone that has lived forever on this earth? No, you do not. No, you do not. Of course not. This is the proof. It is the foundation that what's being taught by Paul is true. One of the things that Sue and I like to do is when we're on vacation sometimes is to walk through cemeteries. I don't know if you ever read like, uh, like stone heads and, 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 uh, and uh, uh, epitaphs and that type of thing on people. But it's just, it's just fascinating as you go through. Um, we once found a family by the name of Angry. And, and we wondered what their life would have been like having that kind of last name. Anybody know any Angries? <laughs> I, we just found that interesting. The... The, universe, uh, the universal reality of death is not because the sin of breaking the law, which we'll talk about more, 
But because of the nature of sin within our hearts, everyone will die. Adam and Eve were rejected out of the garden for two reasons. First, so that they could not eat from the tree of life and live forever apart from God, which was a gift. I'm so glad of that. But second, they were prevented from eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil again, which means they didn't repeat that same sin over and over again. This is my point. Sin is not sin just because we keep doing the same thing over again. It is sin because we're living out of our sinful nature. Why is that important? Listen, some people get so caught up in the repeating of their sin that they miss the point of letting the righteousness of God destroy their sinful nature. Hebrews 12 gives us the answer to correct this. I want to read it to you. And it's so important. Hebrews 12, listen listen to this. It says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. The answer is twofold. First of all, live the life God has purposed you for. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't turn to the right or left. But trust God has a plan and path for you and keep running the race. Don't you give up. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, don't you give up. The second thing is keep the right focus. Be Peter, walking on the water. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your focus on him. Read his word. Talk with him. Walk with him. Let him be the focus of your life. Those two things, for you that are struggling with with addictions and with things that continue to want to continue to want to continue, Trust that God has a plan for your life. If you've not received Jesus Christ, you haven't walked into that plan. The first thing is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To ask him in your life, to admit the things that you have sinned against him. To repent of them and to return to him. He's here. It's a great hour to do it if you've never done that. It would be a great time to do it. Then believe that he has a path for your life. Acknowledge that and walk in it. Following him. That's all he said. Follow me. He didn't say be religious good people. He didn't say be moral people. He didn't say, you know, have a great job and make a lot of money. He didn't say any of that. He said, follow me. So follow him. And then keep your eyes on him. Why? Because, first of all, he's the pioneer. That means you didn't come up with the idea of being saved. He did. Before the foundations of the earth were created, he did. And if that's true, you can't fail. So receive him if you haven't and follow him. Second thing is he he is the perfecter. What does that mean? It's another word in, in scripture. He's the completer. He's the completer of your faith. Trust him. Believe that he will, as you follow him, complete that which he's called you to do. What did, Peter, what did Paul say in Philippians 
Anybody got it? Top of their head? Philippians 1.6. Go ahead. What? Nope. No? That's Jeremiah. Come on, people of God. Philippians 1.6. Or look it up if you have to. He who began, yes, he who began a good work in you will do what? Why are you spending so much of your energy trying to get it right? Trying to make it right. What'd you say? What'd you say? Hey, you married her, dude. I, you know. <laughs> but you know that he is the author. He started it. He's the perfecter. He'll end it. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That gives you the, that, those two things give you the foundation to, to, to stop focusing. We like to say this. When we talk to people about the Lord, we want to hear about the darkness because we want to know the past, but we're going to spend most of our time focusing on the light because it's focusing on the light where the healing comes. It's focusing on the light that shows us this truth. It's focusing on the light that gives revelation to what real life is all about. It's focusing on Jesus Christ. That is the light. He is the light of the world, and he is the one that we are to focus on. So why is this so important? To come to a place of understanding that sin entered the world through one man, death entered the world through sin, death spread to all men because all men have sinned, and history proves that death reigns over all. Why is this important? So many people live in unbelief in the power of one. They don't believe that one man could have that kind of effect on their life. They have, uh, that they are connected in their humanity to all people and to the disobedience of Adam thousands of years ago. This unbelief drives them to, drives them to live independently from their creator, who they were created in his image and his likeness, and so they live just like Satan did, separated spiritually, physically, and headed for eternal separation. But there's no greater proof of this truth than the inevitability of death. In fact, being mortal means subject to death. Now, the belief is not a belief of blaming Adam, like I said, but realizing that our natural identification with the same nature. In doing so, I realize I'm sinning not because I'm doing something wrong, but because it is my heredity or my natural inclination to sin. This opens up the need for the one who Adam was the pattern of. In verse 14, it says, Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come. This is such an important verse. 
Jesus became the perfect sacrifice because of the truth that he became flesh and dwelt among us. God becoming man became the power of the one that overcame the power of the one. Jesus became the power that overcame the power that came through Adam with sinful nature. Now, if I cannot accept the power of the one that that sin entered the world through, I will never be able to receive the power of the one that brought righteousness to the world, namely Jesus Christ our Lord. One of the biggest obstacles to salvation is the prejudice of my individuality and independence from this truth that lies to me and says, I'm really a good person. That's the phraseology that, real, that, that you have become independent and separated from your creator. That in of yourself, you're a good person. Jesus, when meeting the rich young man, and the rich young man says, good teacher, what, must I, what more must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus asked this question, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. He's asking the question, do you see me for who I really am, or do you not? Being born again starts with realizing the nature of your first birth, naturally born into sin. With your eyes open to that truth, you realize your own desperation for your new birth. Man continues to try to put himself into his own mother's womb again to try to find their own goodness. But like Jesus said to Nicodemus, or Nicodemus said to Jesus, should I enter my mother's womb? No. No, you need to enter into the womb of righteousness, and that is the righteousness given by God. It is a thing that's preventing people when they don't realize their desperate need for God. You see, what's impossible for man is possible for God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life. He who comes, the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? The power of the one and the only Son of God can overcome the power of the one in this earth. Today, if God has spoken to your heart, listen. Listen to it. Because Sin entered the world through one man, and death through that sin. And in this way, all, death came to all people, because all have sinned. But there is a one who, is, who Adam was the pattern of, and who is the pattern of Adam, the second Adam that has come into this world and has given his life for us and arose from the grave. The power of the second Adam is stronger than the power of the first Adam. Do you believe that? So do I. So do I. Stand up with me as we end this time together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come and we thank you for this precious time in your word.
We thank you that your word is true and that, Lord, what has been revealed some of our souls today, maybe for the first time, is the fact that the sin that actually lives within instead of the action that's without. Father, um, so many of us have chased after trying to stop our own sin in our own power, and it has been a uh, it has been just a, a waste of time. For Father, you are the one that has overcome sin. You are the one, the pattern of humanity that came in this world and gave your life so that our sin could be overcome. And so, Father, I just pray for that person today who's just been under the burden of their repeating sin, that, Father, today they will realize that, Lord, you are their salvation, that you have given them a life to live, a path to follow. And may they just stand up and begin to walk that path and that, Lord, they keep their eyes focused on you, the author and the perfecter of their faith, who started it and will bring it to a completion because you are God of all. And I pray that, Father, that, that as we live in this world and even our elites, those who we have looked up to because they made so much money, and somehow they must have just done it all right, is actually a lie because they haven't followed, followed the righteous God. And they're just afraid of death as we, are, as, as we have been. But you are the one that frees us from the slavery of death. And so, Father, just pray that our freedom today will be realized, that, Lord, maybe somebody here today who hasn't sung songs, because in their heart they can't sing, set them free so that they may sing of your glory and sing of your greatness. Lord, may our lives be a song to the world because of our great God who has given us life in the midst of death. We love you and we trust you. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray. Amen.